Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 16. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Acts chapter 16. As we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts, chapter 16. Over the weekend, a verse kind of struck me. And uh, the verse is found, give me your attention if you will. The verse is found in Psalm 37, verse 23. And it reads this, matter matter of fact, it's on the screen. Why don't you read it with me? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord... And he delights in his way. The steps of a good man, listen, are ordered by the Lord. And he, the Lord, delights in his way. You know, someone once said this. Not only, listen, are the steps of a good man ordered by the Lord, but also the stops of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If you know what I mean so far, say amen. I think of my life. I can thank God for the answer prayers. I can also thank God for the unanswered prayers. I can thank God today for the stops in my life. Where God said, Rodney, I don't want you to go this way. I'm going to stop you and I want you to go this way. Oh, you know my story. We came here from. Southern California, originally from Philadelphia, out in California by way of the U.S. Navy, go Navy. And and we came here, and before coming here, maybe I didn't tell you this, but before coming to North Carolina, I was feeling like the Lord was calling me, and I'm seeking the plan and the purpose of the Lord. And we were in the direction, and we were actually considering at one point moving to, we had an invitation of I and I to come start a Calvary Chapel in Buffalo, New York. And I can thank God for the stops in my life. Somebody say amen. I can thank God for the stops in my life. Because I didn't really know this, but in Buffalo, New York, they have an unbelievable amount of snow. I hate snow. My wife, she loves snow. As soon, we couldn't be more different. As soon as the flurries start coming, she gets all excited, does what everybody else does, go to the supermarket and clear the shelves. Just a little flurry. It's not even going to stick. It doesn't make it to the ground. But she loves snow. I hate snow. But I looked at that situation, and I thank God for the stops in my life because God didn't allow us to go there. God allowed us to come here where he wanted to use us. If I had had my way, I'd have been in Buffalo, New York, and miserable. Thank God for the stops in my life. So we can see that God is God and we can see that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and the stops of a good man are ordered 
by the Lord. Let's just a bit, if you will, retrace our steps as we have come to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, if you've been with us, you know this. Jesus told his disciples that you're going to be witnesses and you're going to present the gospel. And then he, Jesus gave them the outline. You're going to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That's the outline of the book of Acts. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. In the first eight chapters, if you were with us, you know we've seen the Holy Spirit working through his people in Jerusalem. And Jesus was working through his people then in Judea. And then Jesus was working through his people and the Holy Spirit in Samaria. When we come to Samaria, there's a guy by the name of Philip. Philip had an awesome ministry in the area of Samaria. And then we fast forward to chapter 13 of the book of Acts as Jesus is working through his people still taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, to the Gentile nations. And then Paul began his first missionary journey. You find that in Acts chapter 15. And then we followed the steps of a good man, Paul, as he went from Antioch to Seleucia, from Seleucia to Cyprus. And it was in Cyprus that a man by the name of, remember him, Sergius Paulus, he was an important man. He got saved. And then they went north to Perga of Pamphylia. And then they went on to Antioch of Presidia and then to Lystra, and then to Derby, and then back to Jerusalem, where they then took off on their second missionary journey. And this time, the team is Paul and Silas. Which then brings us to chapter 16, the last time we were together, as there was a man from Macedonia, Macedonia calling, saying, come to us. And they sailed from Troas. And don't you remember the story? When they got to, they sailed from Troas to Philippi. And when they got to Philippi, they went to the beach. And when they arrived on the beach, they saw a group of women praying and they began to share the gospel with this group of women. One particular lady, her name is Lydia. Lydia was a seller of purple. Lydia's from Thyatira. Lydia was a wealthy businesswoman. We'll learn in verse 40 of chapter 16 that Lydia relocated to Philippi and she bought a big house and the church of Philippi started in Lydia's house. And this woman got saved and she got baptized. And her house, all those of her household got saved and were baptized. That's where we left off. This next couple of verses, saints, this is a fast moving chapter. We left off last time in verse 16, or pardon me, verse 15. This morning, we pick up in verse 16. Acts chapter 16, saints, beginning in verse 16. If you're with me, say amen. And as we went to prayer, there was a certain slave girl, note this, possessed with a spirit of divination. She met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Well, this girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Well, she did that for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed. See, that's the Holy Spirit telling you something about Paul. Greatly annoyed, turned and said, Note this, saints, to the Spirit. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very same hour. And when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, 
they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and they said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. And then the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates took off or tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid no many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. And having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Stop right there, saints. Give me your attention. We want to notice the team traveling now is Paul, Silas, Dr. Luke, and Timothy. And they land on Europe's soil for the very first time to bring the gospel. Now, mind you, they are still in Philippi. Notice the Bible tells us as they were going to prayer, a slave girl who was possessed with a spirit of divination met them. Some of your Bibles might say the spirit of Python. The original translation says the spirit of Python. Now listen close. In Greek mythology, the Python was a serpent that Apollo killed at Delphi. The spirit of Python granted divination. The spirit of Python granted the ability to be a ventriloquist. The spirit of Python would allow an individual to be able to throw their voice and to make you believe that there was someone else in the room. The spirit of Python was evil. The spirit of Python was divination. It was sorcery. It was soothsaying. It was demon powers. And so you want to notice this demon-possessed girl, she made money for some men that she was working for by them taking advantage of her being possessed with a demon. And so the Bible now tells us that she was following Paul and saying, These men, now watch this, she's following Paul saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God and they show us the way of salvation. Did you get that? This is a demon possessed girl who is preaching, watch this, the right message, but the wrong spirit. The right, do you know it is possible? to preach the right message with the wrong spirit. This demon-possessed girl, the Bible says, she did that for many days. I don't know why Paul put up with that for many days. She did it for many days. I imagine she followed them every day. When they went in the house to go to sleep, when they woke up in the morning, she's standing out front waiting to follow them. And if I know Paul like I think I know him, he probably said to the guys, he said, you know what? Let's split up the day. Two of us go this way, two of us go that way, see which one she follow. Let's see. She did that for many days. Finally, Paul got fed up. Don't know why he got fed up. Don't know why, what clicked. Why is it that that moment he got fed up? But he finally got fed up, the Bible says, and he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And the Bible says that he, I found to be interesting, this demonic spirit was a male. There's no message in that, lady. I'm just telling you, okay? 
Ain't nothing to it. Don't read more into it, okay? I'm just helping you understand. All the ladies are like, now you're preaching, Pastor. <laughs> now that's what I'm talking about. He, the Bible says, came out of her that same hour. Now, I'm going to give you four things to note about the casting out of this demon. Four things I just want to point out. I don't have a lot of time. I'm going to move on pretty quickly. But four things, perhaps you're taking notes at this point. Number one, I want you to notice here that Paul wasn't intimidated by the demon. He was in control. Number one, he wasn't intimidated. He was in control. Secondly, Paul, notice, spoke directly to the demon and not the girl. He said to the demon. He did not say to the girl. So Paul wasn't intimidated. He was in control. Secondly, he spoke directly to the demon and not to the girl. Thirdly, if you're taking notes, he commanded the demon to come out of her. He didn't ask. He commanded the demon to come out. He did not ask. And then finally, he drew on the power of Jesus and not on his own strength. He drew on the power of Jesus, not on his own strength. Now, saints, you know, I bring this to your attention because I've been around the church for a bit and have seen a lot of ministry. And I know that there are ministries out there that they their ministry efforts and their focus is on, you know, deliverance and delivering people from demons and delivering even Christians, which by the way, saints, listen close. The Bible is very clear. Christians cannot be demon possessed. Would please with more than 10 people say amen. Would you Christians cannot be demon possessed. The Bible says you are possessed with the spirit of God. And if you're possessed with the spirit of God, you cannot be possessed with a evil spirit because God and an evil spirit will not dwell in the same temple. Now, Christians can be oppressed. Christians can be depressed. Christians may need Zoloft, hopefully for a very short period of time. But Christians cannot be possessed. I have seen deliverance ministries and 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 these kinds of things. And unfortunately, I haven't seen this model in casting out demons. I haven't seen that. I've seen a lot of show and I've seen a lot of fireworks and I've seen a lot of, you know, stuff. But but I haven't really seen what we see in the scriptures as it relates to demon possession. And might I add, Saint, listen, if you've ever, ever, ever been in the presence of a person who is truly demon possessed, I guarantee you, you will not be wanting to go chase demons. It is a scary thing. Look, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And should God give me the opportunity of which I have on two different occasions, which was two times too many, on two different occasions been confronted with what I believe was a girl who was truly demon possessed and a guy who was truly demon possessed. Should I become faced with that situation, I believe that God will give me the grace and I will follow this biblical model to cast that demon out. But you don't have to worry about Pastor Rodney going to chase any demons. Matter of fact, if they come in near me, I'm running the other way because I don't roll like that. All right. I don't go out like that. No, I don't. Look, I'm like, look, 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 Lord, can you call somebody else to that ministry? That's not me. But there are whole ministries, I guess I'm going to move on, but there's whole ministries that 
you know, their, their, their focus, their emphasis is to, to, to cast out demons and to, to bring people who are demon-possessed. And that's not a biblical model. You don't see Paul going city to city, getting in the city saying, hey, where are them demons at? Let me go find me some demons. I'm ready to cast me out some devils. You don't see Paul doing that. Paul goes into the city to preach the gospel. Somebody say amen. He ain't, that's, he ain't going to try to find no demons. And neither should we. But God will give us the grace we need if we are ever confronted with demons. Amen? That's all I say. That's more than what I want to say, but that's all I say. Look at verse 19. When her masters, notice this, saw that their prophet was gone because they cast the demon out of her, and they saw that their prophet was gone, I find it very interesting that they don't care anything about this young girl being delivered from demons. All they care about is their what, saints? Money. All they care about is their profit. And so the magistrates bought Paul and Silas and accused them of breaking the law, tore their clothes off their backs and beat them with rods. And this was a public beating, by the way, more like a caning, if you will. As a crowd would stand around with thumbs up, which meant keep beating and thumbs down, which meant stop. And after they were beaten, the Bible tells us they were thrown. Did you notice this? In the inner prison in verse 24. Now, this prison had three levels. They had the outer prison. And there were windows and air and light in the outer prison. And then they had the inner prison, and it was dark and damp, and it was a dungeon. And then they had the dungeon, which was basically a rotten cave under the prison. And there was no light in the dungeon, and there was human waste in the dungeon. And it stunk. And people were putting stocks in this area, and it's like a death row, like a solitary confinement. This is where they took Paul and Silas, locked them in wooden stocks. It was painful. Their backs had been beaten with rods and they're bleeding. And notice what they do. Verse 25, go there with me. At midnight in verse 25, Paul and Silas were praying. And what were they doing, saints? Singing hymns to God. Are you kidding me? And the prisoners were listening to them. And then suddenly, note this, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And then he called for a light and literally he sprang in. And fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so they said, Tithe. (laughs) Is that what they said? No. I don't have time, Bill. I got to move on. You notice they didn't say, well, let's, let's understand what they did say. Look, look, look at verse 31. So they said what? Read it with me. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. They didn't say, what must I do to be saved? Tithe. They didn't say, what must I do to be saved? Well, you got to sign the church register. Well, you need to go to new members class. You need to join the church. You need to serve a life sentence in children's ministry. Notice, you know, the thing that just, 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 look, we have made so much of the gospel of salvation that it now you can't see it. 
you, you really can't even see it. We've stacked all this stuff on the salvation. Listen, if you want to be saved, you simply need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice they didn't say you need to, if you want to be saved, you got to wear the right clothes to church. If you want to be saved, you got to do this, that, or the other. If you want to be saved, you got to, you know, join the church. They didn't say anything like this. These guys didn't give them religion to join or an organization to belong to or a membership to sign. They said you need to believe on the Lord Jesus. And that is what we need to do to be saved. The gospel message is simple. Man has complicated it. The gospel message, I'll say it again in case you were asleep. The gospel message is simple, but man has complicated it. Believe on the Lord Jesus. Notice, notice what Paul goes on to say. And they spoke the word of the Lord in verse 32. You see that? In verse 30, I put my glasses on so I can see it. In verse 32, they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night. And notice this, guys. He washed their stripes. Isn't that interesting? This is the man who inflicted those stripes on them. And now he's washing their stripes, which, give me your attention, is proof positive that he really is saved. You know why? Because if you truly give your life to Christ and you really make a commitment to Jesus Christ, you know what happens? You start to do good works. You start to do the right thing. You start to do good things. Your, your salvation is proven by the works that you do, not the other way around. You don't work for salvation because salvation is a free gift of God. But once you are saved, now your life should be proof of your salvation by what you do. And this guy who had, influ- who had inflicted wounds on Paul and Silas and these, 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 these stripes on their back, he is now changed and softened his heart. He is so changed that now we find that he is washing their stripes. And immediately he and all of his family were baptized. And when he, in verse 34, had brought them into his house, he gave them something to eat. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. Now stop right there. Give me your attention, if you will. What we see is this man changed. What we see is a man who has been born again. What we see is a man who His life has been so radically changed that now he is ministering to them. And you do want to notice that when Paul and Silas were brought into this prison, they were brought in as prisoners, as as slaves to be put in stocks. But we note from verse 30 that now they go from being prisoners to being treated with respect. They go from being prisoners to now being called master. That's a term of respect. And so this guy is saved. Not only is he saved, but did you notice in verse 31, not only was he saved, but his whole household was saved. Now, I'm going to talk, touch on this just a second here, because there is a popular understanding that if you give your life to Christ, that God will automatically save your whole family. That if you are saved, that your whole family will be saved. It's almost like an automatic thing. Listen, that is true to an extent. To an extent. And what I mean by that is the Bible does not teach that if you get saved, your whole house will automatically get saved. No, the Bible teaches every man must make a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. For whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You cannot go to heaven 
on your grandfather's coattail. Somebody once said, God doesn't have any grandkids, only sons and daughters. You have to give your life to Christ. But now that is true in this regard. If you give your life to Christ, you now have the ability to influence your family. Now you have the ability to pray like my mom did me. My mom didn't get saved until I was 15 years old. And all of a sudden she comes home from work and she's weird now. She went home last Wednesday back to Philly, so now I can talk. She's all Mrs. Christian. I couldn't believe it. But then she began to pray for us. Then she began to influence me and to tell me about Jesus and to tell me about the word. And she tried to get me to go to church. I was resistant, but she tried. When I went to church, I'd hear the word. She began to influence my life. So the Bible teaches that if you give your life to Christ, your whole family's not automatically going to be saved, but you have the ability now to influence your family, to bring them to Christ. And that's exactly what this Philippian jailer did. He influenced his family. He was saved. Not only was he saved, his whole house was saved, and he began to wash their stripes, and they began to wash him in baptism as he got baptized. Look at verse 35. Y'all still with me? Say amen. And when it was day, look at verse 35. I got to move on. The magistrate sent the officer saying, let those men go. And so the keeper of the prison, he reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now, therefore, go, go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans and have thrown us into prison. And now do they want to put us out in secret? Uh Uh-uh. No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us. Paul was something else. Oh, you didn't want to get him upset. You know, Paul wasn't the kind of Christians that would slap you. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.